Welcome to How to Save the World, a podcast about how to live sustainably, especially in our changing times. This week we're focusing on a super relevant question with COVID and in this turbulent start to our decade on how to get a green job. Um, this is partly because we got a, a cool question from Jules, one of our listeners, um, a while ago asking, and we've sort of talked around it, but we haven't really paid a lot of attention to it. Her question was, um, what careers or tertiary education choices can kids focus on with the view to aiding positive climate change action? Um, and she mentions, like, should it be like hydrogen, alternative fuel research, desalination, like there's so much. Um, and then she says, they say the jobs our kids will have don't even exist yet, so it's hard for us to help them focus on tangible areas they want to make a difference mm. in. Tim, you're here. forgot to... I am. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jill's totally on the money. Um, it's But it's not just hard for those starting out. I, I, I'm seeing it with my peers as well. Um, there's, like, I think this is a really, really relevant topic for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the examples that she's given um, as sort of thought starters for those jobs. And particularly, she's named some pretty advanced careers in the STEM field or um, science, technology, engineering and math. But I think what we'll talk about during the course of this episode is that there is just a myriad of ways to approach this, of of trying to um, get employment and a, a vocation and a career in a sector that is not going to do the environment harm, but in fact improve it and, yes. and the planet yeah. and contribute to sustainability over the long term. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's just a really wide net, which we're going to um, be able to explore. It's not yeah. just these high-tech science jobs. Yeah, that's right. We're going to really broaden the question out. So it's, a, a, it's hopefully a bit of a 101. One of the best pieces of advice I found, um, which I'm just going to throw out now, because it's so simple um, was from Emily Chan, who writes with a muse in her blog. She was basically talking about doing the switch, so pairing unrelated experience in the workforce with an environmental science degree to pivot into sustainability and really leverage that existing skill set, which I thought was quite a cool way of putting it because could often be people who are, not that you shouldn't, but that are really keen on environmental stuff already, thinking about those degrees. And then she was sort of saying, conversely, if you're already really into sustainability and you've got some experience in that uh, field, it might be more useful to really focus on a hard skill that that sector really needs. Like maybe that's when you're jumping into a BCom or software engineering or food science or law. I mean, just uh, there's all these people bringing out really sort of quite depressing sounding reports (laughs) around like this. (laughs) How fast, um, like there's one that says every five years your skill set will be half as valuable as it previously was um, and that your average career won't last longer than a decade before needing to, needing to pivot. And, and there's, there's a lot of people are making the call around automation and AI that there's going to be millions of jobs lost to disruption um, even over the next sort of three to five years. Um, so we are going to be focusing today on how to future-proof your career, especially a green career, um, which actually is a big win, right? Because I think basically it's the big thrust of where things are going. Um, Looking at what sort of constitutes a green job, which Tim's already touched on already. Um, And then then like little, like rather than just launching into sort of all of the things that you could do, 
Just, we're just going to really focus just a little bit on how you can find a good match um, as well. Some tools we've found for doing that. Um, and then we're going to do a bit of sector. Are you doing any sector overviews, Tim? I'm going to do circular economy and social enterprise. And you're just sort of doing bits and bobs, eh? I'm focusing a bit more on uh, sort of education and upskilling and awesome. Um, awesome. some specifics about distance learning and that sort of stuff. Cool, cool. So it's like a, a crazy, crazy time that we're living in. Um, and we are being asked, especially young people, being asked to prepare for a future that's almost impossible to define or predict. So um, I found a, oddly enough from UK's Ministry of Defence, a amazing video um, on global strategic trends um, called The Future Starts Today, and they identify six future trends that we need to be mindful of in terms of future-proofing. It includes things like um, accelerating technological development, environmental stress, um, increasing human empowerment. It's quite interesting um, knitting it all together. I'll put that link in the show notes. Um, but basically it's stuff that we're really aware of already. And then the scale of these things that can disrupt are actually quite extraordinary. And it's most likely, people are saying that over this next decade, there will be, and we're already seeing it, uh, disruptions that will actually shift us into new ways of doing things, which um, we'll get into. I mean, partly you could just label that circular economy. Um, that's if we if we do make a graceful transition. But Tim, you've got mm. you've got. Um, I'm quite interested in. You've done a bit of research around automation and how that can be impacting us, and yeah. how we can navigate that because it feels so I scary. Think- any any discussion at the moment that's happening around employment um, naturally leads to automation because it's been, for a lot of people, a big boogeyman for the last five or ten years. Um, just to sort of define the term a little bit, automation, you know, for my money, is any process where a machine is taking a job that formerly was held by a person. Yeah. And a machine in this sort of world um, can mean a, a, like a sort of hardware robot um, or a piece of software. They're both machines that can um, take some jobs that humans do. And it has some really dramatic effects. So you might have heard a term like the digital divide, um, which mm. is a phenomenon where there's sort of, uh, it's quite unfortunate because it exacerbates an already existing problem in society where there's a big divide between um, people who are well-resourced and people who aren't, and technology can really drive that further and further apart. So there's a lot of low-skilled jobs that are disappearing um, where you didn't need uh, like a a big tertiary education or anything like that to get into it. Um, Those jobs are being taken up. So there was a, a report that had data from PwC and the United Kingdom's Office of National Statistics, and it was they've modelled um, how many jobs per sector are at risk um, as being taken by automation by 2030, and the the very top of the list was chefs and catering industry. Really? Um, at number yeah yeah that was so like food prep basically is, is the number one at risk yeah Gosh. that was really unexpected I didn't, yeah. I didn't expect to see that so high either um second equal was arts entertainment and recreation and manufacturing hang on what tell me what i would have thought the arts entertainment was very safe yeah i would have thought so too i guess it's potentially because the entertainment products that we're consuming can be made by less and less people. So, for example, where before you might have gone out to some live entertainment, 
Um, now right. we're seeing a trend of everyone sort of staying home and watching Netflix. Huh. So maybe it's that constriction and yeah. how we absorb yep. entertainment. There's less people involved. Yep. Yep. Um, manufacturing was on par with that as in second place, and then it went construction and then wholesale and retail. So that's not the that again. That's a model. So that's predicting the jobs that are most at risk next. Yep. Um, there's already been huge moves due to automation and AI. Um, interestingly, the sectors that were at the lowest risk were education, um, health and social work, and the legal profession. And once again, this is all just down to, to one report that I saw, but the you know PwC is one of the largest um, firms in the world for accountancy, and the UK Office of National Statistics is pretty um, trustworthy mm, as well. Mm, mm. Um, we've already seen automation change the nature of work for a lot of sectors. Like automotive is a really crystal clear one where when cars first started getting mass produced, Henry Ford created um, the product, the assembly line in factories where each person had a job specialised and it, it allowed us to build cars um, far quicker and mm. it allowed people to get paid um, better than what they were before. And now if you look at a car factory, they're highly robotic and automated, but they're actually using um, machines that are often called cobots because um, they need humans to work with them. So that will be a trend that I think we'll continue to see where the the robots will reduce the number of human workforce, but there will definitely be people necessary to oversee oh. them or do certain tasks that robots can't easily do. Um, interestingly, there's a lot of trade jobs that seem quite safe because there's some jobs that just naturally don't fit for a robot being able to easily take it. So things like plumbing, electrician, that kind of fine work that you have to do with your hands that takes a bit of know-how and nous and it changes site to site is really hard to be replaced by the current technology that we've got or yeah, that's coming I've around the immediate corner. I've picked up on corner. that too and um, it's actually looking like the trades could be better choices if you're that way inclined um, than the classic kind of white-collar jobs that actually look like they're a bit more vulnerable. Um, did you pick up on any other um, trends or skill sets that could work quite well in the face of automation? Yeah. So according to the World Economic Forum, they released a report called The Future of Jobs. And these are the skills that um, they think will be most important for people to kind of future-proof themselves or focus on that sort of robots can't take immediately. So those skills are um, complex problem solving, critical thinking, creativity, people management, coordinating with others, emotional intelligence. And you can sort of appreciate why, because they're not things that would be easy for a non-human actor to sort of take on. Yeah. So if you're looking and you've maybe you're a student or maybe you're looking at just a blank slate changing careers, those are things that will be very future-proofed in mm, terms of directions mm. to go in. You've, I feel like it's like if you've got that skill set, fantastic. You know, it's a gift. Very similar to quite a different skill set, but the science, technology, engineering, and maths, the STEM skill set, if you've got that, fantastic. You know, it's like even if you're just interested in it, build it, grow on it, because these are two enormous, that sort of, what it is to be human, those those qualities that can't be defined or quantified, all the people skills, and then that, that mm. um, ability to innovate and um, solve problems through technological innovation. Um, very cool. Would you, were you finishing a thought on that? Yeah, just, just on the trends, there's um, one more data point, which is a lot more local and uh, more recent, which is the New Zealand budget. 
So I just thought I'd touch on an announcement mm. that got made, which is um, that $1.1 billion uh, has been dedicated to creating 11,000 new green jobs. Um, the breakdown of that is about 40% of that is going to regional environment projects. 28, which is huge, over a quarter of it is going to biosecurity, including weed and pest control. And 18% of it is going to the Department of Conservation's new jobs for nature program. So... Yeah, the government is really putting their money where their mouth is and, um, and and trying to create jobs that push us into a more green future as well, which is mm. good to see. Mm. Mm. Good for the future generation, eh? If they're going to be cranking up debt um, because of yeah. all of this, then it's like at least it's something that can help create a better future. Um, and there's always, you know, wiggle room and discussion to be had. I, I saw it. Um, Greenpeace leading some criticism that it doesn't go far enough and perhaps could focus on some some different areas. But uh, you know, overall, I think um, throwing hey, we'll one point one billion we'll dollars. It. It's is, like because I've I've good. heard I've heard the opposite, of course, as well. You know, it's a huge. But if you're not, if you either if you don't understand or if you're just not aligned, um, that's a huge blow. You're, you're looking at that, that money that could have been spent on improving our infrastructure to create much more attractive investment opportunities for businesses overseas and it's just seen as a huge missed opportunity from for, you know from people coming from other perspectives so yes like yeah great let's just celebrate that's that. politics for you <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um yeah so the maybe should we move on to just a just a little bit of a think I guess a bit of mindfulness around how people can find the best match for them because we've already just sort of blowing it out and just talked about everything. My first year at university I covered my bases because I had no idea what degree I wanted to do so I did um, some science, some commerce, some some of the arts, some of the fine arts um, before eventually ultimately ending up doing a BA which is kind of predictable eh when you don't know what you <laughs> want to do. <laughs> um, yeah. So I really can understand the pain that um, mm. I guess particularly younger people go through trying to work out what it is they want to do. To be honest, I probably it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I really started to find myself a bit more with the stuff and work it out. So um, not that this is probably solve your life issues if you're really struggling, but I, I have found some fantastic resources. And it, just to frame it um, – I think more or less we're attracted to kind of that manual stuff, like your your hands as being the thing, like it's the, the chefs, the gardeners, um, crafts, all of those wonderful things. Um, so that sort of stuff, it's kind of like maybe looking at permaculture, repopulating the countryside's a huge thing we won't sort of go into in this episode, but there's just so much to be done in that space is, earth buildings, eco building, um, all the conservation stuff, which, you know, Tim's just said about some enormous injection of money mm. in New Zealand in that space at the moment. Um, funnily enough, food prep was on one on my list, but perhaps not with all the robots coming. Um, and <laughs> then the whole um, waste of resources sector, which is a big part of our future in terms of circular economy. Um, then you've got the, the head stuff, which is your, um, whether that's your strategic problem-solving stuff or your, your technological innovations, um, probably heading off to uni, I guess, to do something in that field. Um, and then the third thing I've kind of identified 
um, is that, that which we've already mentioned, the relational soft skills stuff, which they're saying is just mm. more important than ever. So it's like, what is it that you are naturally drawn into? Um, and maybe maybe you're a networker. I've got some, uh, what are they, five and seven-year-olds in my life, and they learn names. It's so interesting watching these two girls, and they're, they're, it's a it's a skill that they have that you wouldn't necessarily pinpoint, but actually they are very skilled at meeting people, learning names, memorizing the names, and they, they want to be able to connect people in and find out where they fish out. And I know other children who aren't at all interested in that sort of stuff. They're not at all even interested huh. in saying hello. And it's like those little girls are natural networkers. And it's like maybe you can identify some of that stuff that might not be particularly valued or, or or sort of particularly put in a career box, but it's like so important finding out who you are um, and what really makes you sort of work. Um, there's yeah. so much stuff that you can do little tests and all that sort of stuff. There's a classic career book that if you haven't checked out, it's called Do What You Are. It's been around for ages. It's, I think it's in its fourth edition now. That's really helpful. Um, and then I found a list of, um, career tests that you can do, personality type career tests. There's dozens on this. They're all free. Um, look at your sort of career aptitude. So I'll put the link in um, on the show notes, but you find it on the balancecareers.com website. Um, so, yeah, I think good luck. <laughs> I think that's so useful, Wave, to have those tests because often, like I remember being in that situation, leaving high school and if people are finding that they're in a job now that either don't like or it's going away for you know reasons beyond their control, um, it just the world is so big and you need a starting point. And those aptitude tests can be so um, good at triggering the start of your thinking around those things and pushing you into a direction when you just it, it can be quite overwhelming the number of options that you can consider. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I mean, I guess the 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 flip side of um, the, the trends of that the, our careers will be changing and everything's so much more fluid. The, the good side of that is you can just give stuff a bit more of a go without feeling like um, it's this enormous decision you're making when you're 18 and what you're going to do yeah. for the rest of your life. Totally. And mm. I think people can draw out a lot more meaning from their working life now than you know, the traditional view of maybe someone living in the 1950s where you go to a factory every day for 45 years and that's you, mm. um, that you can pursue passions that you might have or find out that you don't want to do that and transition into something else mm. or mm. what we're talking about, you know, really contribute to stuff that's bigger than yourself and building a, a better world that's like never been as easy to do as it is right mm. now, yeah, which is, is the positive yeah. bit of these yeah. trends. Yeah, yeah, that's right. One and one of the things, especially that millennial generation that's, that's coming through is that people kind of want it all now. Like you say, it's not the 1950s anymore. People want, mm. they want, they still want the good pay and more increasingly they're looking at having a good lifestyle as well. So I'm going to talk about, unless you've got anything else there, Tim, I'm going to talk about social enterprise now because it's a really nice natural, because right. um, it is an opportunity to have it all. Um, so I think it's something, it's a term I think that most people have probably heard of these days, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think most people mm. have sort of at least, yeah, brush up against mm. it. But do you want to sort of define it a bit? Yeah, there's no agreed definition in New Zealand on what it is, but the Canadians are um, onto it. Um, it's just a, it's just a guide, guideline that might be helpful. Uh, they say so long as half, over half of your re revenue is from selling something, 
in other words, you're not a charity, right? You're not getting, you're not grossly right. getting um, grants to run your your business. So you're a genuine business is the first point. And then the second point is um, over half of all of your profit goes into whatever it is that you've identified for your reason for being, which will be a social or environmental outcome. Oh, wow. That's... um. That's really clear. Yeah, really clear. And so it's, it's got it's those two things together. Uh, a social enterprise can literally be anything um, in terms of it's as broad in scope as the economy. The pay scales are as broad. It's not like you have to be on crappy pay. You could be on great pay, or you could be basically volunteering. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so it's a good opportunity to really open up your mind on what what I mean if a social enterprise thing could be for you. Um, but, but conversely, uh, you can't say, oh, well, my business provides jobs and that's a social outcome. Um, it's, it's, if, your prim- if your business is there primarily to create profit, then uh, that's different from it to being there primarily for those profits to be going into the social or environmental outcome. It might be a bigger sector than people realise. Um, internationally, it's um, marked out as being a, a huge growth area. Here in New Zealand, we've already got more than 3,500 social enterprises and they contribute to over a billion billion dollars to our economy. Um, wow. uh, they, they can, like I said before, they can look like anything. So uh, one example is Thank You Payroll, who have, uh, it's just a payroll service. We use them for our company and vision and um, anyone can use, anyone who, who has a payroll can use them. And they're a social enterprise, um, which is really cool. So their profits aren't going back into the business, but going into, um, I'm not sure what their nominated thing is actually, but, you know, some something with some good um, environmental or social impact. Um, hospice is another one. It, the hospice itself isn't a social enterprise because the majority, well, depending on how you define it, if we don't have a definition in New Zealand, but um, the majority of their funds come from um, a fund or um, but their their shops, you could say, would be a great example. The hospice op shops. Yeah, mm. yeah. As opposed to Save Mart, when when you're shopping, very similar experience. Big um, op shop, but, um, quite a different outcome. I've just googled Thank You Payroll as well, Wave. Um, and probably the reason why you didn't know exactly where it goes is because it looks like they give out money to a super diverse um, range of people and things. So they distribute funds and grants to uh, underserved postcodes around New Zealand, it says. So it oh. sounds like they cast that net pretty wide. What legends? That's so cool. So the, the, if this is all sounding very appealing, like, I, I, I mean, obviously, if, you're, if you've got this business skill set, um, which is, that is the majority of how we are employed in New Zealand, um, the warning here is that uh, it, sound, it could perhaps sound to you like it's an easier proposition um, because you could be eligible for um, some funding opportunities but it is actually harder it's way harder so if you've got a if you've got a business idea that's perhaps not quite viable and you're thinking oh I'll make it into a social enterprise highly recommend that you don't do that because <laughs> <laughs> um, at the end of the day people don't want to pay any more really um, they, 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 they basically what you'll be stuck with is trying to get your business model working as well as getting your impact model working. It's just much harder. Rather than having one bottom line, you've got to have two or three. Um, but having said that, it's, it's definitely a growing sector and there's heaps of support out there as in networks and that kind of stuff. 
So if you're actually wanting to run one, um, any type of business course would be great. Any, whatever, wherever you're at in terms of your level or your interest level, um, you could do a master's in administration or just a business course, um, like a five-week course. Just, But you definitely need some business sense, a lot of it. <laughs> um, a community development background is really helpful, and that's often because like I say, it's not this straightforward proposition, but you're navigating this, you're often navigating this community space um, and working out, well, for a start, you've actually got to be sure that the community needs what you're proposing. Plenty of social enterprises out there just have had an idea that this is what the community needs, an app to do this thing or whatever, and and that they pour all their profits into um, donating a, a, a product that actually no one's used. So community development is an awesome background to have. If you compare that with business skills, all the better. Um, You could do, there is actually a doctorate you can do in social enterprise. Um, That is great if you're actually preparing yourself to be an academic in that space and maybe in supporting roles like consulting, training, lobbying, teaching, that kind of stuff, which is really needed as well. Um, And then connecting. um, Heaps of really cool... um, opportunities in New Zealand to connect with hubs if it's energy you're interested in um, you can check out the community energy network uh, to generic environmental education check out the Enviro hubs Aotearoa if it's waste which is a enormous sector um, because classic waste is a resource so um, it spawns a lot of um, enterprise because you can get your resources for free and, and um, just mm. up cycle and create businesses. Um, so Zero Waste Network Aotearoa uh, to, to connect in with the activities there. And then there's local organisations. Again, just you know, Google your area, hope for the best. Um, but I can point out um, Impact Hubs Waikato and Social Enterprise Auckland, both really good um, organisations for helping people uh, interested in trying to find out a bit more. Nationally, there's Akina, um, which is a consultancy, just to point out that they're not like a uh, peak body organisation. Um, they can't sort of help you for free. They are they are there to um, offer their services as a consultancy. But having said that, uh, it's really worth being aware that they're there, checking out the sorts of resources that they can provide. Um, they've got some great introductory stuff on their website uh, and just sort of um, – yeah, connecting in. Once you've connected in on, on one or two or even three levels with some of those organisations, you would um, be really well placed to start to work out what you can do in the sector, whether it's starting something or supporting something, looking at where the gaps yeah. are and the opportunities. I think if you're in a position to do so as well, if you can volunteer your time just to get a bit of a lay of the land, particularly with what you were mentioning before, Wave, with um, community organising and community involvement, there's so many organisations that exist. I think um, there's some people who are really eager, like have that entrepreneurial spirit and brain who are so ready to go out and create something when, in fact, it, their time might be a bit better served at the starting point to volunteer their time at some places or take up some jobs at some places just to really learn and soak in the context that you're about to try and enter into. Yeah, amen to that. If you are that young gun, honestly, you are awesome. But the best thing you can do is to just just take your time to find those giants and then sit on their shoulders rather than, you know, yeah. bounce around and reinvent some incredible wheel. Um, yeah. 
But um, just a note on that as well that I um, sort of forgot to mention before, but I did write down as something to cover. Wave, I think you would sort of know this, and I think um, doing what we do, we take this for granted a little bit, but often people don't know this. There's if you're if you're thinking about getting into a sector or a, taking up a role or you know just trying to change your career path, and there's someone that you know who is doing something kind of cool that you're interested in. You would be surprised at how accessible people are, even if you don't know them, but you just sort of know what they do or they don't know you at all. You can reach out and just say, hey, can I buy you a coffee and um, just have a chat to you for 30 minutes about this? Or can I jump on a Skype call with you? And if you can, you know, just be conscious of people's time and that they're sort of helping you for nothing and be gracious about that. If you prepare a few questions that you really want to drill down and find out about the path that someone else took and what you can get out of that and what you can replicate, people are generally speaking pretty free flowing with information. Like it's, I think people overlook that opportunity to um to mine people for their experience yeah. and their information. Yeah, that's cool. And and to add to that, um, someone once said to me. Uh, to do that and then to end with asking, is there another person or another couple of people that you can recommend that I talk to and then aim to be interviewing, well, you know, 20 people, or you know, like quite a large number of people to really get your head around something. And that also means that you're now on the radar of a lot of people. Yeah, like it's, that's if you're brave you enough. jobs and opportunities. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah. So... Circular economy. Shall I? I'm just going to really briefly touch on this. Yeah, this is really interesting. It's um, it's kind of a almost a non-category in a way because it's like our economy will will hopefully transform to a circular economy over the next decade. Um, at the moment, it's it's extractive, which is just you take a resource, you make it, and then you throw it. So it's it's linear. Um, and we need to we like we need to make that circular so that um, we're never well, there's never a throwing stage and there's never a grabbing stage or certainly within the the bounds of nature um, just to take a little and then to to look at the maximum value per unit that you can extract out of that resource. So at the moment it's almost mm. the opposite. We're looking at through flow. We can we're looking at maximum profit. And um, the faster the through flow, generally, the, the higher the profit. So that's a key shift is to looking at a unit and how much value you can get out of a unit. Um, and so essentially, it's just an economy that can regenerate natural systems while advancing human systems or, or while advancing a flourishing human society. That's great. Yeah. That, yeah. Surely that should be the dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for us all that we should be pursuing. It's so it's 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 that's why I said it's almost sort of a bit of a misnomer because it's not like you can get a circular economy job. It's 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 like saying, Oh, I'd like a it's like saying now I'd like a job in the economy. It's like, well, all jobs yeah. are <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it is all hands on deck as we transition or or um aim to transition uh to this New, quite new way of, of doing business. Um, if you're interested in the circular economy, um, you definitely need to check out the Alan MacArthur Foundation. Um, that's their global leaders in this space and um, got some great resources, great definitions. Um, they're looking at this being a trillion dollar opportunity and um, 
seeing also quite encouraging stories around how this is already happening. It's already penetrating millions of industries around the world. And um, there are a lot of big corporations that have already got quite ambitious circular goals as well. So it's about how we can take almost any skill that we have, like literally anything, and then working out how you can be reinventing the systems involved in that, the products, the services, so that ultimately there's no waste created and you're regenerating natural systems because, I mean, hopefully you're getting the idea from listening to this podcast that unfortunately at the moment, by default, almost everything we do is in the opposite camp. Um, we're, mm. we're just going about our normal business and there's these unintended consequences. Um, so whether you, you might be an athlete, but where does your gear come from or how can you travel to your event without creating an impact? Um, so it's just literally everybody's got those opportunities to think this one through. Um, it's uh, one way of thinking about it is zero waste um, because, of course, if everything that is an output, if it never gets thrown, um, it becomes an input into a new circle or an existing circle, um, and so things go round and round. Um, so anything in the zero waste space is um, very futuristic. Um, and the really nice thing about this space as well is that um, it's almost like the, the antidote to what you were saying earlier, Tim, about automation and huge job loss and globalization and, and robots taking our jobs, um, because... There, are, there is actually huge job opportunities in this space that's been identified. Um, we, need, we need product redesign. We need packaging redesign. Um, we need people focusing on reverse logistics and uh, people trying to work out how one person's trash can be another person's treasure, basically. Um, so I'm going to include in the show notes some... Um, resources for a circular economy. James Griffin in New Zealand um, through a Sustainable Business Network has done some really great stuff here. He's possibly one of our preeminent thinkers in this space. Um, so I'll include a couple of links to stuff he's done um, or SBN's done and um, emerging jobs in the circular economy and essential elements if you're looking at future-proofing your job for a circular economy. Um, now we're going to finish off with um, how to actually find green jobs and how to like pathways into green jobs, training opportunities, job ideas, all that kind of stuff. Um, you've you've yeah. done a bit of thinking on this as well, eh? Yeah, I've um, found a few sustainable side hustles, I'm calling them, um, hmm. which is, I mean, this very well could be your full-time income, either a, a basket of these things or pursuing one really heavily, but... What I like about this idea, because this is what I've done throughout my working life, is you can sort of hold down a job while you upskill in a different particular area, while you're earning a little bit of money from that. And then when you're ready to sort of transition away from your former job, you can do so and launch you know, more full scale into this other thing. So I've just got a, a few examples here of the types of things that you could pursue. The first one is freelancing, which I know is a super general term. So what I mean by that is finding something that you enjoy, um, a hobby, and figuring out how to make income from it and it's really easy to kind of do this in the sustainability space because if you can add a skill set and the sort of sustainable or green aspect to it it can become really attractive for people and put you head and shoulders above a very busy um, industry or marketplace so some examples could be 
photography, professional writing skills, um, how to do online stuff like search engine optimization or web design, um, or you know a thousand other things. You could learn, if you're a musician maybe, or you've done a bit of music in your time, you could learn audio engineering skills and then sort of offer yourself out as a podcast producer. I know that they're in really high demand out there. And you can learn all of these things online for free, really. If it, you don't even need to do a super focused course if you don't need to get a qualification out of it. I've taught myself so many things just through watching YouTube videos. Um, it's there's, there's really just a huge amount of stuff you can learn for free online. Um, upcycling, which Wave has talked about already, that, that whole concept that a person, one person's trash is another one's treasure, find a way to take stuff out of landfills or stop it going to landfills and turn it into something that people want basic examples that we see a lot are things like creating clothing or what like wallets or jewelry out of things that other people are throwing away um, like I've got an awesome courier bag that I got that's made out of an old billboard for example but you can do it with other things as well like you can do it with technology um, people often don't know that they're throwing away like an old computer or something like that which is a bit slow but in perfect working order and you can learn how to fix it up, put a new operating system on it, and it'll run fast. And then find um, either a way to sell it, or you could even get it to schools or underprivileged um, people who who wouldn't get access to that tech normally. Resource collection, which um, is just about you can intercept stuff going into that waste stream by offering your services out, and you can kind of market yourself as a trash collector for people. So go around to your house, to their house, and take their things away. But what you're actually doing is preventing it from going into a landfill, and you can sort out how these resources um, can be either used or disposed of way more responsibly than if that person was sort of left to their own devices. And a, a really interesting local one that I found was um, Courier by Bike. So there's a company in Palmerston North called Dash Bike Couriers. And it's just this guy who's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor um, who wanted to get fit and make a buck on the side. And he does it in a really sustainable way by shooting stuff around town on his bike. So he transfers documents and small packages around for three bucks a package. He gets fit while doing it. He gets to see the city, get fresh air, and um, and make money. And he's taking cars off the road by um, by putting those things on his bike. Oh, man. Oh. This, this, this section essentially is going to be mostly useful if you're looking at the show notes, but I'll just flag it for you. Um, I personally really like looking through lists of like big lists of jobs or of whatever it is when I'm brainstorming to get ideas. Um, so I've got some links to websites that have actually got enormous lists, like over 100 different lists of possible career paths for um, environmental mm -hmm. green jobs. Um, so I'll put in the links, but we're looking at greenjobs.co.uk and environmentaljobs.com.au. Um, uh, there's also links to fastest growing green jobs. And um, I found a really interesting article from USA in jobs in electric vehicles going forward. It's quite detailed. So I thought if there's anyone particularly interested in that, it's quite a cool little um, article. Then if you're actually in the market right now looking for jobs, um, there are some really specific websites that are just for this um, that – I, they've got they're really well patronised and really good um, resources. So globally, um, there's environmentjobs.com, US. There's greenjobs.com, UK. Greenjobs.co.uk. 
uh, and on it goes. There's stuff for Canada and Australia as well. Interestingly, there's no greenjobs.co.nz, so just saying if anyone's interested in that. Um, <laughs> but what we do have in New Zealand is a couple of really cool websites, particularly for conservationjobs.co.nz uh, and dogoodjobs.co.nz. They are really cool. Um, they just only focus on not-for-profits, NGOs, charities and social enterprises. Um, so that's a really cool, and again, good place to go for ideas if you're if you're just interested, seeing what's available, what's looking. Yeah, and that um, last one, do good jobs. They're used by some really big players like Greenpeace, get people from there, and Oxfam and volunteer services abroad. So that's yeah, I'd, I'd struck at that one as well. It's mm, a really good one. Mm, yeah, it's cool. Um, job training opportunities. Um, I think some of the stuff you've said, Tim's really awesome actually around how you can actually just do a lot online and and volunteering there's just so many actually it doesn't necessarily need to be formal training um you could be basically in the day you just need the skill set um and it needs to be recognized um of course there's heaps heaps on offer from our universities and technical colleges um and that information is relatively easy to find so i'm not going to kind of go into it but you know we talked about pairing sustainability with um, a BCom or or environmental science, um, any anything in the sciences for technical experts, and these masters in public policy, which if you haven't heard of and you're interested in developing your potential leadership in local and national government or in, even NGOs, um, that's that's quite a good one to know about if you've got a an undergrad and you're not quite sure what your next move is. Um, yeah. yeah, can I just tack on some stuff about distance learning? Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's something that I've done. So there's a big trend. Um, there was the, I didn't even know that we had a productivity commission, but there's a New Zealand productivity commission who issued a report in March called technological change in the future of work. And they identified a bunch of risks and what the future looks like and what the trends are. And they made um, several recommendations to the government. And one in particular that stood out to me was around micro qualifications. Um, so that is, basically getting a bunch of academic papers and it doesn't have to be necessarily to like a degree. Huh. Um, you could get a diploma or, or you can even just do the papers to have something to attach to your existing skill or other qualifications. Ooh. And I've got a little bit of experience with this because I studied through Open Polytechnic in New Zealand and did um, full distance learning. So they just send you the course materials. You have interaction um, with your classmates periodically online and, and with your tutor. Um, but you fill everything out online, do all the studying um, with those resources that you get sent. And it's a really great way to add flexibility into upskilling yourself and gaining qualifications while fitting it around the rest of your life. So if you've got family commitments, if, if you've got a job that you want to keep while you still study, which I think would be a lot of people, mm. especially if you live in one of the biggest cities where you know rents and mortgages are so high, um, those distance learning um, organisations can provide a, a great pathway to upskill in a particular area while you keep earning. Mm, mm, yeah, that's really cool. Um what else have we got here? Um, oh, if you are interested at all in agriculture, sustainability, and that that field, um, there is check out permaculture.org.nz, um, and they've got a training education page. Um, the, there's such a thing as the permaculture design certificate, which is 72 hours of formal tuition, and um, is such a good 
um, grounding in permaculture, which of course can go into anything in the um, well design space or agriculture space, um, community development space. Um, resource recovery training is offered by Zero Waste Network. Um, I've got some interesting case studies too we can talk through. Diane is a venture capital impact investor, or she's working her way towards that. So impact investor, that's basically providing the um, finance for a social enterprise. I met her a few months ago. She's an investment banker, and she took six months off to actually volunteer and just go around the world. She had a great holiday. Uh, She got exposed to all this regenerative agriculture and a whole world of people living sustainably and that break allowed her to step back to reflect and re-energise. Um, it was a really intentional t- time to take out of a, quite a stressful career um, where she really re-evaluated what she wanted to do and then decided to pivot into, after having checked out a scene and looking at what was happening in it through her volunteering work um, and just really recharging the battery, she decided to pivot into this venture capital investing. Um, That's great. Yeah, really. I really liked the way she rolled. I thought it was really cool. And then Pravin is our, our mate who we've already interviewed mm-hmm. uh, for um, Fair Trade. He's now working at um, Sustainable Business Council. I was quite interested in his career path um, because he always knew he wanted to do something, just something to do with business and ethics. His family was uh, from a long line of sugar farmers and um, he really felt that pain, I guess, of being in an unjust system. Um, so he studied international management science which included a year of overseas work, and he also volunteered. It's interesting how often this volunteering thing's cropping up. He volunteered at Fair Trade mm. International, which was where he wanted to work, um, and that when a job did come up, he was really well-placed with. by the time he had the right degree and relevant work experience, and he'd volunteered in that actual um, organisation. My own weird career path, which was kind of like I had a BA and I didn't really know what to do with it, um, and then it was really that personal quest, I suppose, of the zero waste year. Um, and then I just started volunteering my time when I was asked to come into schools or universities to talk about zero waste and how I did it, which actually eventually turned into an employment opportunity. I ended up as a senior, eventually became the senior community advisor at Auckland Council and the waste solutions team. And that was all about exactly what I'd been doing when I was volunteering my time. So I think, um, yeah, volunteering is pretty important. And then that, I guess, just highlighting that, that's a massive sector, that council and government sort of sector, um, that if you're Mm. green-minded, you might find that there's a good fit for you there. That is it. Fantastic. Well, um, there are some very detailed show notes for this episode, so uh, please have a read of those if there's particular things that you want to fall down the rabbit hole in. And would highly recommend that if you've got um, particularly younger people in your life or people who are looking for a life change um, and they're very interested in the green economy and getting into sustainability as a job and a career path, get them to listen to this episode, um, share it around. That'd be really cool. And if you've got any other questions um, specifically for us, send them in. Get in touch on our Facebook page. So if you just go to facebook.com slash how to save the world, that's us. Give us a like and you can um, fire through any specific messages to us. Yeah, that'd be awesome to hear from you guys. Keep those questions coming in at really or suggestions for um, topics for us to talk through. It really makes a big difference on how we 
um, what content we decide to put out there once we can see what people are really interested in. So if this is you, if you're really making or think considering a big step, um, good luck. I hope it all goes well and you're awesome.